Welcome back to Muppets in Space, a Farscape rewatch podcast on the incomparable. Next up in our continuing rewatch, Season 2, Episode 9, Out of Their Minds, and Episode 10, My Three Crichtons. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and joining me as always is my fellow co-host, someone who doesn't drive me out of my mind, Jason Johnson. Uh, yeah, hang on a second. I'm, I'm, I'm Eric, right? You're Jason. Wait, are, are we out of our minds? Have we switched bodies? I'll tell you what, I'll print us out some tags with our pictures on them, and that way we can, we can clear this right up. Okay, good, because that's more important, so I, I can see who you are and not see who you really are. Yeah, because visual gags work really well in a podcast. Yeah, and now we know that DRDs can print, uh, like an old dot matrix printer, so that's, you know, there you go. Yeah, they're like little Polaroids that fly, yeah, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> self-propelled printers, who knew? I'm trying to come up with what the, what the acronym DRD can stand for that has printing in it. I'm coming at a loss, so we probably should roll on. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually good at like making up fake acronyms, but yeah, uh, direct dot right, right dot dot write something writing yeah, no. device. I don't know, whatever. Fine, there we go. Okay, great. <laughs> you just capitalize the R instead of the W. <laughs> yeah, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, three R. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that went off the rails quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a better note, that at least our, our predictions last time were pretty spot on for what these two episodes were. So yeah. Either, was, was, e- so either we're great at guessing or they were just so obvious episode titles that, you know, there you go. Yeah. I, I, a, I think we kind of have figured out the uh, naming mechanism here and B, these were pretty easy. So. <laughs> yeah. Although as we'll find out at the end of this episode for next time, not a clue because no help whatsoever. But hey, that's the fun. All right. So, yeah, I guess, spoiler alert, we, we did kind of enjoy these episodes as we we're talking offline here or off recording. So it looks like Farscape's kind of hitting their season two writer's groove so far. Yeah, you can tell these were probably written in order and made sense and, you know, weren't rushed too much. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, when you have time to you know, write a story and not be rushed, you write good stories. Who knew? Surprise. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Uh, season two, episode nine. As my cats chase each other around the room that I'm standing in, if you hear scraping and scuffling, that's why. Season cats two. Cats out of epi- the bag. That's right. <laughs> Both cats out of the bag. Season two, episode nine, out of their minds. Moya has been targeted by an alien ship, with the crew rallying to fix the defense screen. Remember that? That they salvaged off the Selbinian from last season. It's still around. Zan has gone over to the Halusian ship, which is badly damaged, to try to stop them from firing on them. She is con- confronted by a bird-like creature called Tak, who is feigning being hurt and says his ship was attacked by Talon. Zan says that she can help them and that Moya has no weapons. Hearing this, Tak strikes her down and orders his second Yaz to fire. Dargo and Shiana manage to get the defense screen up just in time, but the effect of the attack on it causes a problem for the rest of the crew. When they awaken, Crichton is in Aaron's body, Aaron's in Rigel's body, and Rigel's in Crichton's body. Uh, they find also that in the three of the crew in Pilot's den have also switched bodies. Dargo is in Pilot, Pilot's in Chiana, and Chiana's in Dargo. Dargo's having trouble sorting out the sounds he can hear from Moya, being Pilot, so Pilot tries to explain to him what to do. Meanwhile, Rigel thinks it's all a dream, but when Crichton whacks him on the head, he finds himself still in Crichton's body. He attacks Aaron, desperate to get his old body back. Back on the alien ship, Tak says that Zan has lied. They do have a t- defense shield. He shows her a picture, a recording of Talon firing, and says that 30 of his crew are dead. It will take three Arns to recharge their weapon, and Zan tells him that they're wrong about Moya, but they remain unconvinced. 
Back on Moya, Pilot tells Dargo how to distinguish between the sounds that he can hear and with everyone in Pilot's den. Crichton gives them all picture tags to hang around the necks so they know who's who. Pilot explains what he last remembers. Zan docked on the Helosian vessel, and the defense screen was damaged by the shot, and it needs repair. Pilot thinks that if they align the defense screen to 62% power, like it was during the first shot, they may switch back. So Crichton and Aaron get to work on that. Meanwhile, Tech agrees to go over to Moya to see that she has no weapons, but Zan must stay behind as insurance. Back on Moya, Pilot is getting queasy when Zan gets in touch to explain the situation. Pilot begins foaming at the mouth, apparently rejecting Chiana's body. Meanwhile, the Helosian shuttle arrives, and Rigel, Aaron, Chiana, and Crichton go to meet Tack. As he arrives, Rigel suddenly needs to go to the bathroom and has to go in the middle of the maintenance bay after some how-to pointers from Crichton. Pilot tells Dargo that if he stays calm, he's fine, but he feels like all his senses are gone. Dargo says that everything Pilot goes through makes his own life feel insignificant, but Pilot says that he does not experience love and friendship. Oh, that's not right. Meanwhile, Zan is praying when Yaz says that she believes Moy is harmless. She shows Zan the video of Kreis saying that he travels in peace. However, the Helosians fired unprovoked on Talon. The attack was merely Talon and Kreis defending themselves. Zan is relieved that Kreis does not appear to be mistreating or using Talon for battle. Yaz then explains that Tak fired on Talon as every kill he makes gets him closer to evolving which I guess means moving higher up in rank, not really like evolving, because that would be kind of silly. Or interesting. Meanwhile, they yeah, that. <laughs> that could be different. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Crichton has fixed the defense screen when he notices his, or rather Aaron's, breasts. As Chan and Aaron walk in, he gives them a little wiggle and a feel, and on noticing the others in the doorway, his only excuse is, hey, I'm a guy. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later. Rigel is showing Tack around Moya. Tack apparently feels nauseous and gets sick and throws up on Moya's neural cluster. That won't that come happens. back to haunt him. Yeah. <laughs> and Rigel asks Tack to be changed back. As they leave, the vomit starts to attack Moya's circuitry. Huh, attack vomit. Tack returns to his ship, where he asks Zan what they meant by switching back, but she has no idea what he's talking about. Tack says that he'll destroy Moya, so Zan tries to convince Yaz to remove him from command so she can evolve quicker, since he failed to destroy Moya the first time. Chiana, in Dargo's body, corners Rigel, again, who's in Crichton's body, and says she wants to get off the ship. In an amusing scene, she tries to convince him by offering to perform sexual acts, but Rigel refuses, saying he wants to regain his throne, and only a Dominar or Hynerian can do that. Crichton and Aaron come along, and Rigel mentions the vomit, so they figure that must be what's causing trouble on Moya. They go into the conduits and find the vomit destroying them. Crichton comes up with a cunning plan. Uh, he doesn't really know what he's doing, since he's making it all up as he goes. True to form. Exactly. That's the best plan. Wing it. They shut down the defense screen and neutralize the acid. The Halosians fire just as they put the defense screen back up, and unfortunately they switch again. Crichton this time goes to Rigel's body, Aaron goes to Crichton, Rigel to Aaron, and in Pilot's den, Pilot is now in Dargo, Dargo is now in Chiana, and Chiana is in Pilot. So, so much for those little printouts on their chests. Now that's all yeah, wrong. To find the new dot writing droid. I know, I got another, another printout, wasting paper. But Dargo and Chiana can't wake an unconscious pilot and think he may be dying. Tack says that he'll ram Moya since his weapons don't work, but Zan manages to convince Yaz to take over. Back on Moya, Crichton finally comes up with another plan. Get the power of the defense screen back up to 62% again, and let them fire again to switch bodies. So far it's not worked out so well, but hey, you know, third time's a charm, right? He's read the script, it's okay. That's right. The Helosians remain on a ramming course, and Moya is attempting to starburst. 
Zan escapes from her handcuff, knocks out Yaz, and manages to steer the ship around Moya. Zan contacts Moya and says she has control. Crichton, in Rigel's body again, asks her to fire again, but she thinks he's mad and asks to speak to Crichton, but Aaron's in his body. Rigel says that they think he's paranoid when they say no one ever listens to him, but it's the truth. And yeah, that's pretty much true. Zan shoots again, and this time everybody's in the correct places, and they switch back to their own bodies. Yay. Everybody's happy to be back in their own bodies. Well, yeah, I would be too. And Pilot asks Zan about Talon. The two take solace in the fact that he is not being used as a weapon by Grace. Pilot then goes to talk to Moya, who he says wants to know all his experiences while he was away from her. Zan tells Rigel that the damage to her hand will heal slowly, and it may never fully recover. Except for next episode, it looks totally fine. But, but that was yeah, filmed out of order. That was, that was filmed out of order, so that's, that's their excuse. So Dargo asks Chiana what she did with his Tenkus, since they feel different. He says that he enjoyed being inside her body, but quickly corrects himself, saying he likes her body, unless it's any better, and they hastily, hastily leave together. Aaron mentions what Crichton did in her body, and he says it was interesting to be in each other's shoes, to which she replies, you were in my shoes, I was in your pants. The end. Some trivia. So the cast rehearsed this episode by videotaping each other and recreating the relevant mannerisms. In the beginning of the show, uh, ADR engineer Angus Robertson spent hours with each actor to ensure that their performances matched up. Ian Watson, the director, did not feel that the Hallucians were a deliberate tribute to the Skeksis from Dark Crystal, but Dave Elsey, the head puppeteer or head designer, admitted that they were like... Originally in the script, the Hallucians were described as bird-like, and the first thing that jumped into my head were the Skeksis from Dark Crystal. One of my best friends in the world is a guy called Lyle Conway, who designed the Skeksis, and also the plant from Little Shop of Horrors. And at the very beginning of when the Creature Shop was formed, he basically had my job in London. I still think that these were some of the best things the Creature Shop ever has done. They are a cheeky nod to those characters, and I never thought for an instant I'd get away with it. The original plan was to have everyone overdub the voices with the actor that normally played the character, but the director changed that because he felt the swapping would be more effective with the actors themselves. And less annoying, as we'll explain later. During the scenes immediately after the first transformation, dual track audio is used on the dialogue with the lines being spoken by both actors. This effect disappears after Crichton assigns everyone photos of their real selves. All right, so what did you think of Out of Their Minds? Well, you know, as as we kind of already said at the top, we this was a really kind of um, well done episode. They It was enjoyable. I don't think I checked the clock. I, I think we've hit our groove, you know, back, like we said, it's they, they've got past the the rushed episode timing that they had on the first couple uh that we had issues with and yeah it was it was pretty good yeah and i, I kind of left off one little bit of trivia because it's kind of interesting this kind of story was always in, in their plan for the show but they wanted to do it back in season one which i don't think would have worked all that well right because you kind of have to have a good number of episodes under your belt to kind of pull off something like this where you know each actor's acting like the other act like acting like the other characters so you kind of have to have a lot of time or at least a lot of episodes done for the, those characters to develop over time and for the actors to work together long enough to get that kind of idea of how you know the other actor would act like them and vice versa right yeah that makes sense and i think that yeah it also lets the audience get to know the characters and the actors right so we we have a familiarity with how the the actors portray their characters and it makes it even kind of more interesting when you see the the actors take on the mannerisms of the other characters because you're so used to seeing that from the other the, the other actors and they're, they're they're doing a great job of impersonating each other yeah because if you do it too early that you know they haven't really had time to get that bond and then even the audience is like okay well who's the difference between aaron and Crichton? i don't, I don't what who cares like 30 episodes later 
yeah, now it makes more sense. You know, now you're now you can have a more of a laugh and more of a you know oh look you know Dargo's acting like Chiana. He, he's like weaving back and forth or oh Crichton's talking like Rigel because Rigel's in his body. You know that kind of thing. Which I bet they had a ton of fun doing. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many outtakes that might have had if they didn't you know or they're just goofing off with each other. You know like I don't talk like that. Whatever. You know. <laughs> oh wait, I'm going to YouTube right now to look for that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to go check that out. And like I mentioned at the last of the trivia, I'm kind of glad that they did not do the opening, like overlapping voice trick when each character got first swapped. When, you know, like if Crichton was talking, you heard, you know, Ben Browder's voice and Claudia Black's voice, like over, like kind of like a half a second apart or whatever. And that was like really annoying. So, you know, it was cool in the beginning to show, okay, that's what's happening, that's what's going on. But for 45 minutes of that, would have been really hard to understand, even with like subtitles on, right? Right, and you know, it, I noticed it when they did it. Obviously, I mean, it was it, it was an effect that you I kind of caught, but they moved past it so quickly that I didn't hang up on it. And it really wasn't until we hit the trivia that I realized that I, it, it didn't cross my mind that they could use that for the whole episode. Yeah, that that would that would have been much more torturous. And, and plus, now we have the the running gag or whatever that the you know DRDs are also self propelled printers. So, you know, hey, that's kind of cool. Dot writing droids. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's old already. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, they're capable of anything, you know. Yeah. And it made it easier for the audience yeah, to see the fact that, oh, this is Dargo, but he's got a picture of Chiana. Okay, so it's Chiana versus trying to weed through the audio and, you know, try to piece that together in your head. So it worked out. Yeah. Agreed. Although I think that, especially like we've we've kind of beat beat up a good bit that this far into the season, we're familiar with the mannerisms of the characters, and the actors do such a good job of impersonating those mannerisms that I didn't need those. Now, somebody who this was their first episode, sure, you know, the, the, those may have helped, but I honestly didn't even need that. I could tell which which one they were supposed to be just from the start. All right, so let's address kind of the running gag that they had in the show. So obviously, you're in a new body and everybody kind of reacts differently. You know, you have like a Hynerian in a human body, doesn't have a clue what's going on and, you know, has no idea how to go to the bathroom. So, you know, John's got to tell him step by step how to go to the bathroom. Okay. That was kind of funny. Yeah. He should have gave him a few more uh, cautionary instructions, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> then we have something that's cringely, awkwardly funny, like, you know, John's and Aaron's body. And then like, fortunately not towards the camera. Cause this is a, you know, PG show takes off her shirt and kind of, bounces around like okay it's kind of awkwardly silly and then Aaron kind of missed the same thing that she, when she was in John's body that I guess she checked out the equipment so to speak okay I, I get it I'm, I'm sure if we somehow were to switch bodies with another person or something we would at some point maybe want to just see what things are like but it was some of it was not exactly haha funny funny it was kind of like yeah yeah okay yeah I, I get it. I mean, a lot of times in these episodes, these type of episodes, it's kind of hard to skip those beats. They like to to get them in there. And uh, at least I don't feel like they focused on them too long. Um, you know, they, they kind of dispersed them any more than we had. And it would have been too much for me. And, uh, you know, again, to hear you talk about it, obviously, it's not the best parts of the episode. I'll, I will say that I give more credit to the uh, to Aaron's part where, you know, at least she told and didn't show because I think that's one of the few cases where telling not showing is a better way to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
yeah, there's some things we don't need to see on camera or you know, a high shot with you know hands going and like that. Okay, don't need to know that. Okay, just just mention it and we can move on. That's cool. <laughs> or or maybe you know hint and cut. Well, I guess would be the better thing here. Not you know we we got a good amount of time spent on it, and I guess that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was, it was more fun watching them you know act with, interact with each other normally as in different bodies and how they had the same mannerisms that of their of their minds versus their bodies. So that was the more important part of the plot but yeah i mean you gotta throw in the sophomoric humor there that's that's farscape so that's what you know that's what you get although we do kind of learn a little bit more about pilot and moya in a way apparently pilot species or, or just i guess pilot species must be kind of good at multitasking because you know you got all this input from moya somehow however that however they're joined together you know and he and he's only like you know still halfway joined now as we learned from a couple episodes ago he's not fully joined so he's got all the input or half the input from moya Plus his own stuff he's gone on with, and you know both Dargo and Chiana had kind of a really hard time when they're in pilot's body trying to handle all that stimulus, and you know it's kind of cool how the pilot's trying to explain like there's like sounds and colors and like focus on like that color and that sound to do like life support. Yeah, I mean anything we get a little more of in the details of how pilot interacts is always kind of cool, uh, you know. And I think you know we 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 talked about different things about how they 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 were some some different interactions and stuff, but. I think, in my opinion, if I had to find a criticism with this episode, which, as we said, we really enjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, it's that uh, Pilot kind of got sidelined once they hit this part, right? They, they, he had a reaction to the body swapping that I don't know that we got a great explanation on, and he's just kind of out of it for the rest of the episode. They don't, Pilot doesn't get to do anything where the rest of the characters are trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, because they didn't even bother to try to explain it. Just, you know, Pilot couldn't move in another person's body. Okay, well, you know, Pilot doesn't have legs. He has, like, these little claw things. Okay, that makes sense. He doesn't know how his legs work. Okay. But then, like, the foaming at the mouth and, like, passing out and going catatonic. I'm like, okay, no one else has a problem. Is this just drama? Oh, he could die in someone's body and just, ooh, they got to fix the problem soon? We didn't really need that because we already had the drama of the other ship, like, trying to destroy them. So that didn't kind of make any sense. Yeah, and they didn't really give a time like, oh, he's he's fading or anything, you know, other than other than the drama of him having to wake up just in time to stand up in the right spot. That was really the only drama we got out of that. And I didn't think we needed it. Like you said, we already had the ship and everything else to worry about. Yeah, it's kind of like the extra drama that we don't really need because we have more drama going on. So I guess kind of speaking of being sidelined, kind of, it's kind of too bad that Zan wasn't on the ship to see how she reacted to being in a flesh and blood body. Or others being in like in like a plant body, that kind of could have been cool. But then I guess then it would have been like seven people, and that's kind of like an odd number of switching, and that might make the final get people back in their own bodies a little harder. So I kind of see that why they did that. Plus, also you have somebody on the other ship to hand that have that kind of drama over there. Yeah, it gives us our focus for being on the other ship, and you know. That actually does surprise me, considering that you know, we kind of sidelined Pilot, and then to have Zan, uh, not necessarily sidelined, she got a lot to do, but at the same time, she got left out of the body switching. And we have been getting a lot of good information on her plant side from the, some of the recent episodes, so it would have been interesting to see the, the other characters react to her physiology. That would have probably been better than the other phys- physiology jokes. Yeah, It's been like, you know, Decades since I saw the Dark Crystal, but when I before I read the trivia bit, when I did see the creatures, I'm like, hey, those kind of look like those things in the Dark Crystal. I, I forgot their name because I saw it like you know once, like I said, like 20 years ago or whatever. But so I'm kind of glad I wasn't alone in spotting that. 
So I guess I'm going to lose a little nerd cred here, but I've never actually seen The Dark Crystal. I'm familiar with it, but never actually watched it. So I guess at some point I should revisit that. Yeah, I haven't caught like the, not reboot, but the, not, the sequel, whatever. They did something a couple of years ago, I think. I don't know if it was like a, that was on Netflix, I think. Something, yeah. I'll have to go back and look at that, but I never got around to that one. But yeah, you know, and just kind of like, you know, the, the, the creature shop doing what they do, you know, making believable aliens. I mean, yeah, they kind of looked a little stiff and puppety, but that's kind of what they were in the year 2000. And, you know, on a TV budget, that's what you're going to get. But for what they did, it looked they, they looked amazing. Yeah, I mean, if we haven't established it by now, this is Muppets in Space. So Exactly. So, you know, you have to have a Muppet. You know, you got two Muppets on the ship, and I got two Muppets on the other ship. Hey, you know, Muppets all the way down. We just need some pigs. Yeah. <laughs> pigs in space. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the play in, that's the play in the title. That's, you know, that's, that's why we did it. Yeah, it's there. It only took me however many episodes to hit it directly on my nose, but go ahead. <laughs> Sometimes comedy is subtle. You just have to. Which is actually, I'm going to use that as a segue to say that, you know, I guess if I did have a real disappointment in this episode, I nitpicked earlier, but if I actually had a disappointment in this episode, it's that they didn't name drop the title in the episode. Yeah. I mean, this one would have been easy to drop out of your mind, out of their minds or something, you know, like when Rigel was Crichton or Rigel was in Crichton's body and talking to Zan and Zan's like, you're not making any sense. Uh, you know, he, he, no one explained it to her over the, over the comm. That would be a perfect time to say like, that's because, you know, they're out of their minds or whatever. You know, but, yeah. Y'all must be out of your minds. Yeah. I think something fun like that. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you can't always drop the title in the episode. But you should try. That's right. It makes it more fun for us watching it 20 years later. Especially when they don't list the title like on the screen, like, you know, like Star Trek lists the title of the episode in the opening credit, opening scene. They don't list the titles of these episodes anywhere. So, but it's fun that's after the fact. Yes. So, uh, hey, the defense screen's back. They got it way early, like what, see, like episode six or something of season one, and I don't think we saw it at all, hardly for the first season. And now, ten or nine episodes into season two, it's like the second or third time we've seen it. So, I guess now it's a thing, and they use it. It's just part of the ship now. And oh, remember that thing we got? Let's just use it now because we have it. Yeah, it's it's going to evidently be uh, this season's uh, recurring salvation. It seems to be come up uh, a pretty big part in each episode, assuming it still works after the last couple. Yeah, because I mean, it's you know, I guess that's also the running gag with the with the shield is like it's it works for a little bit and then it doesn't, and then it blows up, and they have to like fix it, and it blows up again. So. Yeah, although creeping vomit's kind of hard to recover from. So yeah, that was interesting. That was that was a neat. Again, I don't know what that was. I mean, you can you know, nowadays you can spec- speculate like something like you know nano thing or why this creature throws up sentient or programmable vomit. I, I don't know, but okay, interesting, cool, D- different idea. Yeah, pretty well executed in the the prop department too. Yeah, I mean it was a good way they did it. It looked kind of like I don't know, like Jello or gelatin or something, you know, oozing around. So it's probably a fun time on the uh, effect stage to make that move around. It was, yeah, definitely a shocking day. Yeah, right. <laughs> literally. And I guess we also learn uh, that Crace and Talon are still around. You know, we didn't just you know forget about them. And at least this time, Crace hasn't gone off the deep end completely. He's not like you know twirling his mustache and being evil and shooting all the ships he finds he comes across. He's at least trying to be nice, or at least well nicer. And I guess they mentioned that Talon's getting bigger and stronger because pretty much he almost destroys that ship, which is much bigger than he was. 
they did a good job, I think, with showing that we're we're, the, we're at first we're kind of introduced to the the concept that you know Kreis showed up and and Talon just you know fired on them indiscriminately, and that's totally believable, right? Because Kreis is a bad guy. We spent an entire episode, season with him being the bad guy, and then you know it's kind of a neat twist at the end that we find out, you know, actually he didn't. It was it was provoked and. Um, kind of leaves you wondering, well, then what is their goal? What are they doing? So it was a nice reminder that, that they're out there. Yeah. And that remember he's still there. So, you know, we'll still see him later in the future because, you know, that plot thread is still out there and it's progressing as plot threads do. So, but that's when you have a, a nice writer's room, we can like weave that stuff in every week, you know, so you don't have to have one off non connected episodes, which this wasn't connected to anything, at least not that we know so far, but they can at least drop in previous stuff to make you like, hey, remember this is still here. Yeah, I mean, these episodes might not have been sequential to anything directly, but they're definitely callbacks and references to things that we've seen or, or tech they've picked up, all the different kind of things to keep it in a linear. We feel like we're progressing. It's not just Creature of the Week, although it is Creature of the Week. Yeah, and as we've seen and commented about tons of times before, you know, this is like building the characters. And then they'll, they'll reference something like this later. We still talk about Aaron being like half pilot DNA from like, you know, almost a whole year later, you know, episode wise, not podcast wise, but so, you know, as long as they and, keep getting good stuff, then they'll keep referencing it. And so you remember that thing we did back, back ago, poof, here it is again. And that was even from one of our least favorite episodes. So yeah, credit there. If it's terrible, they can still get something nice out of it. All right. Anything. Speaking of something nice that out of it, you want to roll on to the next episode? Yeah. Let's discuss not quite cloning or bad cloning cloning gone wrong <laughs> all right season two episode 10 my three crichtons Aaron is in the maintenance bay pulling some moya components out of Crichton's module to use in her prowler Crichton objects when a ball of energy suddenly penetrates moya's hull and examines everyone in turn when it reaches Crichton, it hovers above his head so Aaron shoots it but it then expands enveloping Crichton. oopsie Dargo come yeah whoops not the smartest move there Dargo comes along to see what's happening, and the ball starts to vibrate, throwing Crichton back out, shortly followed by some beast, which lands on Crichton and then runs off. Crichton can't remember what happened when he was inside the ball, while Zan finds some blood from the beast on the floor. Rigel tells Dargo to sniff out the creature, but Dargo can only smell Crichton. Chiana's trying to get Crichton to explain what happened, but he asks her to get him some more clothes. Zan says that since Crichton was not cut, the blood must have come from the creature, but it's definitely Crichton's blood. China goes to Crichton's quarters, but the beast is in there and corners her. However, uh, the beast then says, China, and stumbles over some of the words. She tries to run, but he pins her down and convinces her that he is also Crichton. Chana takes this Crichton to Zan, but the real Crichton is less than convinced and asks it what it wants. It jumps on Crichton, and Zan knocks it unconscious with a sedative. Zen later tells Crichton that her blood analysis proves that it is his blood, and he wonders why anyone would clone him. The ball starts fluctuating again, and out pops another Crichton. This time, apparently, a more evolved future version with a super brain. The crew lock future John in a cell, and the real Crichton quizzes him. Future John explains that he is like an alternate version of Crichton, with all of his memories intact, so the real Crichton questions him to test his memories. The ball starts fluctuating again, and now it's creating an interdimensional portal that's trying to pull Moya through. Future John tells Aaron to use the defense screen to counter the pull, but the real Crichton has already thought of it. 
Future John tells Aaron that they have to do this right, so she agrees to take him to help, but only at gunpoint. Crichton is sorting out the defense screen. Hey, remember the defense screen? Yeah, when it's still there. John, it's still there. When Future John says they have to calibrate it to the ball, so they may re- must reduce the setting to 85%. After quickly mulling it over, Crichton goes with it, and the s- screen is successful in reflecting back the ball's pull. But Pilot says it will probably only last about four arms. Beast John wakes up with Chiana by his side and again gets angry, although she manages to calm him down. Future John comes along with Aaron, but says that they won't learn anything. He mentions that Crichton is the template, the original, and they are the copies, and then asks Pilot if the ball has communicated yet. But the real Crichton is already looking at the signals. Future John joins him and reanalyzes the communications. The ball starts communicating, but now only the Crichtons can hear it. It is a vessel, and it needs one of the samples, quote, to go back. If it doesn't get one, it will absorb all biomatter within a certain distance of its radius. Dargo asks what's going on, and Crichton says that one of them is going to die. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun. Beast John tells Chiana that it will be him who dies, but Chiana suggests that the guy with the big head should. Future John thinks that the ball is a remarkable device, and the real Crichton realizes that it must have chosen him because it's never had the chance to get data on a human. Future John says that the answer is to return the most expendable one of them, which is Beast John, according to him at least. But the real Crichton says no. Rigel agrees with Future John, but Crichton says that they may be wrong and they can't just chuck him through like he's nothing. Future John says that they'll see what they can do, but when the time comes... Shanna tells the Beast that she knows Crichton and they'll get through it. He says that he does know Crichton, he'll save Moya, save Pip, and there's only one answer. Pilot says that he doesn't think that future John will be successful in analyzing the samples. Pilot says that he and Moya would never expect an innocent being to die, and he will understand if Crichton leaves. Crichton says he won't, and Pilot says that if they have the solution, but Crichton will not stop until he has to. The defense screen is failing, so Crichton is called to command. Future John is talking with Zan, but he says he won't find a solution. It's over. Zan can't believe he's giving up, but he says he's facing reality. Zan says he's no longer the Crichton she knew. The real Crichton is trying to patch up the screen, but Dargo tells him to start facing reality. But he responds that he needs more time. The wires explode and the defense screen is almost down. Poor defense screen. Future John tells him it's time and offers to take care of it. Crichton asks how he can be so calm, but he says he's prepared to do what has to be done and tells Crichton not to feel bad. Dargo goes with Crichton, but Chiana has hidden Beast John away. She set him free. Chiana chews Crichton out, saying that he thinks Beast John is nothing, but he's him. The ball fluctuates again, and Future John tells Aaron that they must reassess and says it would make sense to get rid of Crichton. But she disagrees, so he knocks her out. Crichton finds Beast John, but lets him go and joins Future John in the maintenance bay. Future John says that he thought he would let Beast John go, but Crichton says they couldn't save themselves at someone else's expense. Future John says that he sees him as Crichton sees Beast John and fires at him. Crichton dodges and Future John says that if Crichton wasn't here, he would not volunteer to go. Crichton pulls his gun on Future John, but throws it down. He couldn't do it. Future John knocks him down, saying that with Crichton here, he would always be an outsider. And Crichton says that if he's the future, then he's glad he won't be there to see it. B. 
Beast John suddenly leaps in and kills Future John with a pipe. Saying that this is not his place, Beast John accepts his fate. When Crichton says that he understands, Beast John carries Future John through the ball. Dargo comforts Crichton, saying that Future John is only one possible genetic path. Shanna says that she heard what he did, but he says he, it took a while and then it, he needed help. Shanna says it's glad she's glad it worked out, and he says he wishes he could be, but at least but the least developed one did the right thing, and somehow she knew he would. She says she knew because she knows him, and then she leaves him alone. A little bit of trivia about this episode. This is the first episode of the series not to contain any guest stars. In the script, the three versions were called Futuro, Neandro, and Crichton. Aw, oh, you should get a nice ne- nickname for current Crichton or like, you know, Crichton Prime. So, I don't know, something, but whatever. It has to be a dro. Crytro? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll workshop that. Yeah. <laughs> Neandro's outfit was created by Jim Henson's Creature Shop as a fur suit with a muscle suit underneath. Also, this episode, while broadcast before Look at the Princess Trilogy, which we'll start watching in the next couple of podcasts, hmm, was actually filmed after. Foreshadowing. Yeah, spoiler warning there. I didn't know that was the title. Browder adopted separate accents to further differentiate the characters. He said the actual reason for differentiating an accent was because there was a lot of stuff over the comms. I looked at the script and thought that if I sounded the same over the comms talking to myself, it would be confusing as to who's talking. And finally, Aaron's reference to Future John's lack of equipment hmm, harkens back to her earlier comment in Out of Their Mind about having been in John's pants. That and the events in A Human Reaction. So uh, what'd you think, Garrett? Yeah, so as we kind of... I guess hinted at earlier that yeah this was pretty good we, we we both liked it I guess the only nitpick I could make is that it some parts kind of dragged a little bit not not a lot it's kind of like they could have maybe written, written a little tighter or had maybe a couple more sub or not a couple more but maybe another subplot or two or less of a bottle show like if they had like a guest star or something so they can kind of be confused or have you know some kind of more interaction but other over other than that you know it was a pretty good episode that's some nice acting and obviously you know Crichton trying to act like three different people which I guess it's probably a long day for him to have to do like three different kinds of makeups and suits and prosthetics and stuff. So, you know, props to Ben Browder for putting up with all that. Yeah. I bet that brain thing took a while to put on. So I can see that. I will say that there are a few times I, I would say losing the thread, but I, I kind of was ready for them to move on to the next scene. But about the time I started feeling that way, they, they pick it up and, They'd have me back again. So I don't think I quite felt it drug as much as maybe you did, but I definitely saw the, some of the spots where they probably could have tightened it. Yeah, it's kind of like they had a good idea, but they couldn't quite fill like 40 or 45 minutes with it. It's got maybe like 40 minutes, and they kind of had to make up five minutes somewhere. Yeah, it, although I think it would be tough. You kind of mentioned having another guest or something because this was one of the few that didn't have a guest star. But I don't know. I mean, with, with with two extra Crichtons running around, it seems kind of hard to shoehorn an, a, another extra character. Yeah, or kind of have them explain, you know, what's going on or whatever. You know, at least keep it to the crew. You know, it's a bottle show. I'd say you're trying to save money, but then you got basically three Crichtons and three makeups. And I mean, I guess obviously you, you shoot them all in contiguous. You know, do the beast stuff. Okay, you know, get out of that costume. Forget that. You're, you're done. We're done with that. Throw that away. You know, and do the rest. So. But yeah, I can imagine that probably increased the production time on this thing a little bit. Probably made for some fun acting where he's having to act against himself who's actually not really there, right? 
Yeah, like you get the stand in or like, you know, the, the, the green screen with like the X. It's like, you know, that's you over there. Okay, you know, whatever. Um, I, I kind of mentioned in the previous episode that when you watch these, you know, they don't show you the title on like the intro of, of the episode, like how Star Trek does or other, other like, uh, like Stargate or somebody, you know, shows you the title in the opening scene. So, you know, for us who already know that and knew the title, we know that there's probably three Crichtons because of the title, My Three Crichtons. But, you know, otherwise you kind of wouldn't know that. So they do kind of have a little brief mystery of what's that creature that came out? What is it? But then they kind of like, you know, we don't have time for that. So Xan just come up, comes up right out and says, oh, the Beast's blood's really Crichtons. So, okay, great. And then when they're tracking the Beast, Darby says, all I can smell is Crichton. So you kind of get the hint pretty soon that they're both Crichton. They, they, they don't kind of string it out too long. No, I mean, when, when the Beast Crichton first emerges, we don't really get a good look at him. I mean, again, I knew what I was looking for, but I could see, especially watching it on 2000-sized TV, um, <laughs> that, you know, that, that could slide right by. But they, they pretty quickly, like you say, bring the audience into the loop, and even the crew kind of figures it out really quickly. So we don't spend a whole lot of time working on the... the who's who aspects of it and spend a lot more time on the problem, which is kind of a neat way to probably why I didn't feel it drugged so much. Cause we got past that part and pretty much immediately with the solving the personality issues. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of cute or good that, you know, John's still in denial of the whole thing up until future John shows up. It's like, well, okay, now, now he looks definitely just like you, except for like the weird head brain thing, but otherwise he, he okay, look, it's you. Okay, fine. Then this other thing is me too. Great. So, you know, but that's good. That's what you would do. You wouldn't think that, oh, I've been like cloned. It's just something that the thing let out. It's not me. It can't be me. You know, that's impossible. Well, and even even then he denied it up until uh, future John not only remembered something or could tell him something about the past, but could tell him something about the past that he'd forgotten until he was reminded about it. That was a nice yeah. touch. Yeah. I mean, you can only deny it so long before, you know, the reality hits you right in the face. And And that was our first instance of knowing that future John actually remembered more and had better cognitive ability than Crichton Prime. Yeah, because you would think being basically a weird, not pulsing head like the like the uh, Telosians on Star Trek, you know, where they had the big brains, but you could at least pretty much, I guess, above his forehead was pretty much like, like, like pretty much a brain with no hair, kind of th- that kind of look. So it's like, you would hope that if his brain's on the outside, he could, knows more <laughs> or has more brain capacity. Yeah, it seems kind of dangerous to have that much exposed brain, but yeah. Yeah, that might hurt if you bang your head on. Anyway, I, I guess I keeping... was having Krang flashbacks, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess keeping with the other TV show kind of thing going on, I guess you kind of have that like Beauty and the Beast thing going on with, with Chiana and Beast Crichton, because you know they're pretty much like together like the entire show more or less. So that's kind of neat. And also, no one really seems to want to stand up for Beast Crichton for most of the episode. Current Crichton, our Crichton, comes around at the end, but. Pretty much for the most of the show, it's kind of like everyone looks down on you know poor Beast Crichton. And it's cool that, that she points out that the attributes that Beast Crichton has uh, that she likes are things that she likes in the real John, right? I mean, it's, it's his kindness and his personality that she brings up and mentions to him at the end that is how she, she knows him. And that was the part of Beast Crichton that she, she found appealing and had issues with in future Crichton. Yeah, because I, I hate comparing it to Star Trek, but that's the only other episode I can think of off the top of my head where they split somebody into one more person. So you had like the good Kirk and bad Kirk. So you had like, you know, all the goodness and, you know, calm, logic, passion, you know, compassion in good Kirk and like the like drive, ambition, aggression in evil Kirk. So here, you know, obviously you have Beast Crichton, 
who's like a devolved human. So you get like the more animalistic side of things, like, you know, emotional, quick to anger, strong, maybe not as smart. And on the opposite side of things, you have future evolved Crichton, who's like not quite all logic, but probably more logic than feelings, kind of cold, calculating, arrogant, mostly because I think he's like, you know, I'm the smartest guy in the room here. Y'all don't understand this. I'm going to get my way by manipulating you. So, and then you know, then you have Crichton in the middle, who's, you know, obviously the amalgam of both those things. It would have been interesting, I think, to have future Crichton leave behind some sort of solved puzzle, you know, maybe provide a, a key to some of the wormhole stuff or stuff. Not that obviously we want that solved yet, but, you know, something to show that he has the great expanded intellect that he keeps talking about, that things are becoming more clear to him and all that, but probably wouldn't have lined up with his selfish nature. I, I will say that one of my favorite things, um, between the Crichtons, uh, especially between Future Crichton and Crichton Prime, whatever we're going to call him today, is uh, the accent that, that, and we mentioned this in the trivia, I think, that Ben Browder picked up for, to differentiate between the Crichtons. And, uh, you know, obviously, as, as given the accent that I have, I always think it's interesting that, to see, I found it interesting that, that they chose uh, the more Southern-sounding accent to, to differentiate the intelligent character, since that's usually not the way that media portrays the southern accent yeah that's true so i guess they uh the features all southern right if it knows what's good for it that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i kind of like wow he's really laying on the like you know like like southern like alabama georgia kind of accent there whatever he's doing you know and like wow okay but hey it's kind of cool like 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 he said you know it's easier to differentiate you know oh okay that's this Crichton talking not the other one and obviously, Beast Crichton had a mouthful of prosthetic teeth, so that's hard. I'm like, he's like, what? You know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to understand him. But hey, that's another way to differentiate it. Yeah. Although they they did a serious job on Future Crichton's teeth as well, so I don't know. If that's, that yeah, I, I did notice that, that he, had, he had like like those like perfect shiny glow in the dark white, perfectly straight teeth. So I'm like, I guess that's a feature too. You know, we get your teeth are perfect. I don't know. Yeah, almost to the point where they weren't separate teeth. It was kind of creepy. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe we evolve into like herbivores and we don't need those spiky incisors and stuff. I don't know, whatever. But hey, at least it's I'm cool that, that, that they're thinking about it and they're they're projecting what would a future human look like. So yeah, it's cool. They get to play around stuff. And I guess speaking of a, a future boy here, I mean, basically he's willing to sell out his other two versions to stay alive because you know obviously he's the smartest one so you know obviously he's the one that's got to stay behind you know the, the rest of them can just go in the sphere and get dissected and whatever but he's going to save himself you know he's going to save number one whereas beast Crichton is kind of the opposite you know he pretty much knows that it's going to be him because i guess he knows he's like or he thinks he's the least important of the three but it turns out that you know in the end he, kind of, he you know he saves the day and you know, he like he's the one that's kind of the more compassionate the more I guess the more human or the more evolved, haha, quote unquote, than at least future Crichton anyway. Right. And it, I think it, it shows that the important thing there, and obviously, you know, they were, this is exactly what they were going for, was showing the importance of the compassion side over the logic side, right? That he's willing to sacrifice himself for the crew because that's his family. And, you know, future Crichton even outright says that, he would sacrifice them before he sacrificed himself and just take the chance that they would survive going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, pretty much like you said, like, you know, Beast Crichton, that's also that side of our evolution or whatever, like the, the protector, the nurturer, the, so, you know, he has no problems, you know, killing future Crichton to save current Crichton, but then knowing that now 
they both can go into the sphere and you know leave the current Crichton. So you know that further again proves that he's the better of the well at least of the two Crichtons anyway. Yeah, I, I will admit though I didn't see the the death by the pipe in the study um, <laughs> coming. So that, that surprised Beast, me a little bit. Beast Crichton in the maintenance bay with the lead pipe. Yeah, that's yep. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought like, oh, maybe he's knocked them out because then they're gonna do something, or they'll he'll pick them up and they'll go through together or something. Well, well, they went through together and he picked them up. Just he was dead. Like, okay, I mean, I guess the thing doesn't care. It's gonna dissect and analyze them anyway, and it's got one that's alive, one that's dead. So okay, bonus, whatever. So. I'll say that that may have worked out better for Beast Crichton because now that they don't have to, you know, if they need tissue samples, they've got the dead one to pull it from. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe he's smarter than he looks. Yeah. Who knows? Any other comment before we wrap up? the show no uh yeah again we we, we like both of these episodes so yeah thumbs up yeah i mean yeah overall yeah like we said we, we like them they were both pretty good yeah, so they're really hitting their stride again we've had like what four or five good episodes now in a row so that's a good sign with half a season to go so hopefully they keep that going yeah i mean my three cretins kind of dragged a little bit like i said before but the interesting kind of philosophical kind of thing made up for it out of their minds we said it was was great you know it was the right place to put it they had long enough to grow into their characters long enough to watch each other act and long enough for the audience to understand them acting different so that was pretty i guess the sweet spot for that episode yeah these were i think i've said before they were they were we really liked them they were two of my favorite episodes from this season and probably line up with the best of season one you know possibly the exception of the the two-parter season finale because that was just pretty good but they're just kind of my style of story. I really like, you know, especially the first one where we were they were doing the uh, interactions between the the character impersonations, right? Where each character was taken on the other. I, that, that's just my style of storytelling, and uh, I really enjoyed them, even with some of the problematic uh, references. Yeah, questionable content. And as I said before, you know, I was disappointed in the lack of title drops in both episodes. But you know, you take what you get. Yeah, I mean, you figure, you know, probably current Crichton would have quipped something about my three Crichtons because that, that would. Although it, it took him a while to figure out that there were three Crichtons. So, uh, okay, maybe we can give him that one. He had a rough episode. so Yeah, yeah. He, he had a bad day there. You know, the defense screen keeps blowing up in front of him. You know, it's just, just you know, nothing, nothing works. It's, just not, it's not his day. Yeah, they're going to need a new defense screen at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see if they ever fix the uh, wonky defense screen. Although that's, I guess that's that's their stick now. So you can't, you can't fix that. It's got to stay, you know, marginal. It's got to at least be able to get to 85%. Yeah, they love the percentages on those defense screens, these last two stories. So they're, they're pretty specific on percentages of the power. Yeah. It never needs to go to 100, though. That's not needed. So yeah. That's right. It <laughs> doesn't go to 11, is what you're saying. No, but actually, 11 could be referenced. That's pretty low. So, Well, speaking of 11. Speak, speaking of 11. <laughs> hey, numbers. All right. And that was a great segue. Next time, Season 2, Episode 11, Look at the Princess, Part 1, <gasps> A Kiss is But a Kiss. And episode 12, Look at the Princess, part two. I do, I think. And like we said before in the trivia, this is like actually a trilogy. So this is the first time that we're doing a trilogy in, in uh, Farscape. And our usual guessing game, I mean, not a lot to work with here. Uh, so I guess we can pretty much guarantee there's probably going to be a princess that they're looking at, because that's the title. So maybe the first one, obviously you meet the princess. Some romance probably involves and next time sounds like there's a proposal and maybe a marriage other than that uh, since i didn't look ahead to see the third episode title because we're not there yet 
that's where I'll leave it at that. And I'm, I'm guessing they probably don't keep being married because I don't think there's another character that suddenly pops up on the show being married to somebody. So, so somehow it must end at some point. Yeah, I, I think I think that tracks. I, I'm not gonna. I, I don't have enough information to make a title guess. I will say that just as my grumble, I hope they don't mess with Crichton. Right? I, he, we've had plenty of Crichton romance episodes, and I think he and Aaron are in a good place. So I really don't don't want that to happen. So if I had my pick, I think uh, I'd like to see these be Rigel based. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Rigel's good with wives. He says he has like what 18 or something of them. So yeah, maybe what, what's another one? Just add it to the. Yeah, another Hynarian princess, and we're good to go. Yeah. And then, as I was looking at the, or thinking about the title, or looking at the title, that does kind of trip like a memory, like like this three-parter. So this might be where I started watching Farscape back twenty years ago. I'm not sure. So I guess after next week's watch and podcast, I will tell you if yes, this is what I remember, or if this is some other multi-part thing in the future that I think there's like weddings and courtship and something that i remember i think from this next one we'll see all right so that is your homework for next time just two out of three don't watch all three only watch the first two and we'll see you next time goodbye dargo asks tiana what she did well damn Dargo asks Chiana what he... <laughs> God. Dargo comforts Crichton, saying that future John was the only possible genetic... was only one of the... Po- of-